Hey guys, Jim Cox, and I'm here with an interview with Christina Bloom. She is a spiritual advisor, and we had connected on Facebook, and um, I had actually took a look at her website and was intrigued, and we shared a couple of things in common. So, you know, I wanted to kind of get her take on kind of what's going on and what she sees, and just uh, share her uh, background. So Christina, thanks for taking the time to uh, chat today. Thanks, Jim. It's nice to be here with you today. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, how did you get into this business? I mean, how did you become a, a spiritual advisor? Well, I've been psychic my whole life. Um, that was documented as a child. And uh, just as things progress through life, you know, some health issues that I've had, uh, where, where I learned how to do energy healing, and I learned about um, nutrition and meditation and that sort of thing. And it just naturally developed into guiding people, doing readings for people, doing mediumship. And it just became a thing where most of my readings are guidance. Mm hmm you know, or confirmation. People often get readings looking for confirmation of what they already know. And so that, people, that, people have a sense of kind of the message that they're supposed to get, but what the society kind of teaches us to not believe those voices, is that kind of the gist of it? Yeah, I would say that's true. You know, we're, t we're taught from little on to, um, to look to the authority figures, whether that's at the front of a church, whether that's at the front of a classroom, you know, whatever, we're, we're supposed to just absorb this information and act accordingly and ignore what we know innately or what we know intuitively. Yeah, they want you to ignore the voices inside. The, the, Absolutely, yeah. The angels speaking on your shoulder, so to speak. Yeah. What, um, so when you look at like, um, some of the things that, that you do, mm, there's like, as you were talking, I would, my mind was going in like literally 50 different directions. So it's like, where do I go to first? Um, so one of the things that you had, you had shared, you do a lot with, um, past life regression. Yes. So like, what role does that play? Because like, it does what does it help in terms of a person being able to do a past life regression like what does that accomplish for somebody well it depends on what why they're doing it for most people it's a form of healing it's it's recognizing a pattern and then finding out where that pattern started so that they can heal it for in whatever way they need to whether that's forgiving themselves in a different lifetime or whether it's forgiving someone else that they keep cycling through lifetimes with or coming to peace or um, finding some closure on some things uh, I, i've had people do past life readings because they want to find out why they do or don't like doing something mm -hmm like cooking. I had a client who just despises cooking and has no idea why. And she felt like it was a past life thing. So we went into a few different past lives during that regression and found out that she had been forced to be a cook in, a, in an uncomfortable situation. And it just kind of carried over. And, and it's kind of a silly um, 
example maybe but people have gone into past lives to heal relationships to heal relationship with themselves um, to to find out why they came back again because sometimes we don't know why we came into this life without going into another life and going oh i left that unresolved that's what i came back to do mm-hmm. so it's it, they're like echoes i guess from the energy of a previous life that kind of blend into your current life you take that with you as you reincarnate right if you haven't resolved it yeah Yeah. so like how would you explain reincarnation to somebody who is knows nothing about it Uh, the way i explain it is that when we go from life to life we don't stay like a separate soul Mm. you know we go back to source energy and we take everything that we learned in each lifetime back to the source with us and everyone benefits from that, right? So everybody's doing that all at the same time. Well, maybe there's a part of me that in this lifetime left something unresolved from last lifetime and wants to go back and fix that. But I don't necessarily have to gather every single molecule of that other lifetime. I can just grasp the the part that I need it's kind of I explain it like a dipping a ladle into a soup pot Mm -hmm. and pulling up energy and pouring it into a new body Mm -hmm. does that make sense it does it does like like my point of view is is a kind of a variant of that but what I would my take is and this is just kind of my own point of view is we um we start out as having um, pieces of souls from from many people come into this one body. Right. And then like imagine that each one of those shards of a soul is a different color. So there's pinks and greens and blues and you know, what, what have you. And then what happens is over time through experience and what happens to us and what we get out of it and learn those colors and that soul merges into like a new color. Like it, it, it forms and, and kind of blends into, into one. And then when we pass away that those shot, we basically that one soul breaks into millions and maybe we, like you said, go back to the source and then drop down in a new body. We, um, my feeling is we also tend to populate places that we love and people that we love. So like right. even if people, like my feeling is like when somebody passes away, that person's always with you. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, you haven't lost somebody. It's like, where could that, Ramdas says, where could they go? You know, or Ramana Maharshi says, um, you know, where could I go? You know, I'm always here. But those pieces of souls and people carry forward in in kind of this incarnation. So, and that adds to kind of their spiritual existence. Yeah, I would agree with that. I explained it differently, but I think it's the same concept. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's definitely a lot more, I think, positive and healing than kind of a, a notion of, you know, be good or you're going to go to hell or some sort of, you know, punishing, um, you know, video game that we're kind of trying to play on earth that has, you you get one go and that's it. It 
to me, that just doesn't make sense. Yeah, that never made sense to me. Even as a little kid, that didn't make sense to me. Hmm. One of the things that I see a lot is, is like there's so many young people that seem to be more spiritually attuned than I would say even five or 10 years ago. Do you see that or is that just kind of me kind of projecting? Oh, I, see, I see it too. I see a lot of the fact my, I have two children in their 20s and um, I, I feel like they are so much further ahead at that age than I was. I'm the same way. You know, Betsy and I have kids and, and all of them are just so much more evolved than we were at that age. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The other thing I've noticed, and I think that this is part of the evolution, is that a lot of the teenagers and 20-year-olds, you know, in, in that age range, they're a lot more gender fluid. I mean, and by that, I mean, they don't hold hard to gender roles. You know, they're, mm -hmm. they're more flow with it. Well, if I make more money, then you can stay home with the kids. And if you make more money, then I can stay home. And there isn't that societal garbage that goes along with it. You know what I mean? It's, they're just more fluid with it. You know, they're not concerned about who's being more masculine, and who's being more feminine, and, and nobody really cares, hmm. you know, in that age range. How does that play out, though, in a society that we live in, which is, you know, so driven by competition and by by just the mentality of of uh, the overarching society. Well, I think that women have really, um, unfortunately, and fortunately, stepped forward more into the the more competitive roles. But un but the unfortunate part is that I see a lot of women trying to behave like men. Yeah rather than bringing their own innate strength to the situation. They're trying to imitate a different kind of strength that has been modeled for us. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And, and it's interesting because normally, I, you know, in the work that I do in terms of finance, you know, diversity matters. And companies that are more diverse in terms of their leadership have been proven to be more productive and more um, creative, more profitable. And the fact that I agree, there's a lot of women who try to fit into the boys club and, you know, it, in reality, they just need, I think they just need to embrace who they are and bring those, those kind of superpowers that they have as women to then share in the boardroom and, to kind of inform people in a, that there's a different way to do things. I would agree with that. The other thing I'm seeing is that as, like say our kids are getting into that, those positions, they're bringing that with them now. Mm -hmm. It's the people my age who are trying to be men in skirts. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, yeah. But the younger ones, they're just like, nope, this is who I am and you're gonna deal with it, but let's get this job done. Mm -hmm. And I just, I feel like the the younger people are more, they're more spiritual, they're more empowered, they're more open, they're, mm -hmm. they're more, they allow their in, intuition to work with them in the workplace more. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I just feel like that's the evolution of humanity. Mm. You know, going from the 3D to 5D. Yeah, yeah. What, well, I mean, one of the, the challenges that we've been taught as, or we've been trained to, by society to 
favor the physical realm and the real and to classify the other stuff as unreal, as unrealistic, as fantasy, or, you know, you shouldn't pay attention to it. But the reality is it wasn't always that way, right? right. I mean, there was, there was a time when there was more balance between science and spirituality. And it seems like we have to go back to that in order to really, you know, make the progress that we need to do, especially with some of the challenges that we face in this age. Yeah. Well, yeah, every once in a while, and I, I have a brother who is very much just all on the scientific realm, right? Like he's not into the spiritual stuff at all. And, and he's actually one of my best friends. But one of the things that we do is like for years we've been doing this, he'll see a scientific article and he goes, see, science is doing this. And I'm like, okay, a few years later, science is finally catching up to something I said years ago. And I'm like, look, little brother science is catching up. <laughs> you know? and, and I am seeing it come together more. And really the whole, I, I talk with my students about this a lot with the 3D to 5D thing that we're doing right now with the raising of the dimensions or raising of the ascension and, and all of that is the whole point is to bring the physical world and the spiritual world together. Mm -hmm. It's not to vibrate so high that we leave the physical world. Yeah. This isn't about rapture. Yeah. This is about bringing spirituality to, to planet Earth and making it work in a functional way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm, I'm a, I'm sure I've shared it, but I'm a big fan of uh, Ramdas. I would say we're, you know, devotees, and you know, I, I would say like one of the things that I learned from him was, you know, you can't, you can't be, only in like the one realm to the exclusion of the other. You're just not gonna, you're not gonna be healthy. It's a matter of having feed in in both realms, and being yes. able to to balance that in order to get to who you truly are. Uh, absolutely. I mean, we took physical form for a reason, right? Yep. Yep. So it's the whole point is to bring it here and experience being a spiritual being in a physical world. Mm -hmm. That's really the whole point. Unfortunately, what's happened is that, and it's now getting reversed, but we're, we're in the growing pain stage, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, but what happened was that the physical kind of took over and we stopped trusting anything intuitive and yeah. just started trusting what we could see, hear, smell, taste, touch, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I really feel like we're moving back into, or maybe not back into, forward into where spiritual spirituality and physical are coming together again. Mm-hmm. No, it I hasn't agree. been that way for a long time, but we're getting there again. Exactly. And like you said, like a lot of the kids kind of get that intuitively. Like yeah. they uh, just automatically put up blockers to the arguments of, no, you have to do it this way in terms of looking at reality and ignoring that. And they, they just don't have that tolerance at all that not maybe at all. we did like 10 or 20 years ago, if not longer. Yeah. Probably you, longer. Yeah. You had shared your story about how you um, first became aware of kind of your spiritual powers and connection. And I, I wanted to see if you would share a little bit about that. Um, there's, there's reason I want to in terms of additional questions, but like, could you share a little bit about how you became 
aware of your spirituality and, and kind of your superpowers, so to speak? Um, yeah. Uh, as I mentioned, it was documented when I was a child that I was psychic and I was having prophetic dreams. dreams. And um, as that progressed, you know, then I'd start hearing the voices. And of course, what do we think when we're hearing voices that we must be crazy, right? Mm. And um, so, well, I came from an addicted family anyway, so there was always alcohol available, and I just started drinking at a young age, and pretty much drank through my whole childhood trying to block that out. Mm. Um, in high school, I overdosed and um, ended up in, in really bad shape. Uh, that was a near-death experience, actually, at that point, but... Um, it took another two years after that for me to finally come to terms with my addiction and to stop drinking and using. And um, from that point forward, I had to really, the voices came back when I stopped using. <laughs> for a lot of people, the voices start when they, when they are using, but for me, it stopped or started again when I stopped. And so I had to really embrace who I am spiritually in order to stay clean and sober. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been a journey. And then uh, shortly after I actually managed to stay sober for a year, um, I was diagnosed with cancer. Mm. And that led to another part of the journey with, that's where I started learning about the, the energy healing and reflexology and diets and meditation and that sort of thing and incorporating that in. So it's really been a, a long, slow kind of a progression for me. Um, that was in, I was first diagnosed in 86. So mm -hmm. it's been a while. So that's where I really started to embrace who I am and moving forward with it because my life depended on it. So let me ask you, like, what would the, what would the voices say? Like, what, what was the nature of your interaction with the voices in your head? It was messages for people, you know, like, I, and I was a kid, so I would be at school walking down the hallway and I would hear, tell that person that, or tell that person That's that, amazing. you know, and at first I was doing it because I thought, you know, when you're a kid, if something happens to you, you think it's happening to everybody. Yeah. So it didn't occur to me anyone would be freaked out by it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it turns out they were. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's, fun. it's funny because, it. yeah, it's funny because uh, I, I have the same thing happen to me, you know, in terms okay. of I have messages to deliver. And it's always, it's interesting the, uh, the way it developed and in terms of figuring out who the message is for. And like, usually there's a, some sort of a physical aspect of the uh, the person that I'm supposed to deliver the message to. And so it's kind of a puzzle. I have to figure it out. And it's not until I actually then go ahead and deliver it, does whatever the, however it manifests it, in terms of whether it's pain or whether it's whatever, um, like a back pain or in feeling sick in a particular way. Um, only when I deliver the message does it go away. But when, once I deliver the message, it's like that. You know, it's just mission accomplished, you know. You so what you on. just told me is that you're a physical empath. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> you, you feel other people's pain until you give them the message and then the pain goes away. I know that I'm, yeah, I know that, um, yeah, people 
want me to talk to somebody, usually it's when they've recently passed away. And sometimes it's a little bit ahead of time. So the, the idea that it, I think that like when people are passing away, there's a window where like a couple of days before where they know that they're gonna pass. And so they start reaching out to, to others to try to help in terms of making that transition. And so I end up just being really a conduit to try to help people, you know, get a last message that they want to accomplish. And a lot of time, all it is is actually just having them say what they would want to say to the person. Like they, they want to have that last conversation with a person. Yeah. So they want to give the, the uh, person that's getting the message to have that chance to to finally interact with them. Um, and the energy is, is obviously there. They, they just don't know it, you know? Right. So it's a matter of just getting them to open up and talk, which obviously if you don't know the person, if they're a stranger, you know, you can look like a complete loon, but you know, yeah. that's part of the, that's part of the gig. Yep. If I don't know who it's for, I will just tell whoever's giving me the message, bring them to me. I will be happy to deliver your message. And um, over time, it's gotten more consistent that they do bring them to me. That's interesting. I haven't yeah. tried that. Yeah. No, it's usually it's a matter of uh, kind of a puzzle to figure out. But, you know, that's good, too. Um, yeah, yeah it, it's funny that you mentioned um, uh, one of the things you mentioned before made me think of... Uh, uh, my, uh, my son, I had, <laughs> I had asked him one time, like, do you ever, do you ever have deja vu? And he's like, what's that? And he had no clue. And he, he's like, no, I've never had that before. And I'm like, and yet he's like a really spiritual person. It's like, you know, there's this kind of disconnect in terms of certain things that you would, you would think you're sharing the same kind of journey with somebody mm -hmm. and so it, it was informative in terms of it gave me the insight like I have to have patience with other people to you know get to where they need to be in that spiritual journey to but knowing that they will eventually get there to yeah. uh, not prejudge so that makes sense. I wonder what, what came to my mind when you were when you said that was that he doesn't experience deja vu. What came up for me was maybe he doesn't need to. That's true. Maybe he doesn't need to have that experience for some reason. That's true. I mean, everybody's got their own version of superpowers, so to speak, mm -hmm. in terms of way they manifest, in terms of how we relate to the spiritual and what we can do to kind of manifest that through, you know, what we're doing on earth. So. Right. Right. And, you know, it's interesting when we all have such different experiences, but we, but then come to the same conclusion, mm. you know, as far as spirituality and, and that sort of thing go, we all walk our own path, but so many of us get to the point of, Oh, this is what this is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's oneness. It's it oneness. is. Yeah. It is oneness. And I, I like what Neil Donald Walsh had to say about God experiencing God through us. I don't know if you've ever read his mm -hmm. books, but no. um, 
yeah, it's it's like we're all little pieces of God come into a body. God, whatever you want to call that deity or, or that divine power. And we're it's it's like we're all the different cells of the body having different experiences that inform the body. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. That's but, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And and so we don't all have to have the same experience or the same type of experience in order to have awakenings or in order to have any type of spiritual enlightenment. We can have completely different experiences and still reach the same point. Yeah. And that's part of the goal of really humanity too, right? It's a matter right. of having those individual experiences, but then communally sharing them like with each other through stories or through myth or what have you to be able to create kind of a larger context for those uh, stories that we, we share within, or we, we have within, but we share without. Exactly. Exactly. We just recently moved and um, I found my cassette or not cassette, sorry, CD of um, Joseph Gamble's power of myth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I've been revisiting that lately, and really, it's so the stories we tell ourselves are so unbelievably powerful. Yeah, yeah. I um, there was recently a uh, retelling of the uh, the Odyssey that I thought was interesting. Um, that got me took me down that pathway of kind of community sharing, story sharing. You know, uh, just seeing how it was done in ancient times and why do that? Like, I never understood, like, you know, you never understood when you're in high school, like, why, why is this the, a great book? Like, why is this, um, why does this even matter to me? And I think a lot right. of people as they're going through school kind of have that separation where they don't have, they don't see those connections, but it's because you, you're not really understanding kind of the larger context and that context is, you know, why is community important to them? But clearly when you look around at society today, we're told the community really isn't important today. And right. it really couldn't be any more important when you look at like what's going on. Exactly. You know, if we had stronger communities, um, I feel like the world would be a much better place. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. It, it's difficult sometimes. It's like, I live in a, um, a condo right so there are a lot of other people living under the same roof and i don't know any of them <laughs> there's yep. no community here yeah yeah and, and i find that to be a sad thing it is yeah i live in an apartment complex same thing yeah yeah it's it's uh i i just i i guess growing up in a small town and everybody knew everybody Mm-hmm. living so separate like this i i find it to be kind of sad and but at the same time i'm on zoom four nights a week connecting with people mm-hmm. and you it know? doesn't matter where they are geographically nope so so that's a community yeah exactly you know we have an ascension support group every monday night on zoom and people from all over the place are on there and we're all helping each other through this ascension process, you know, bringing the spirituality into our daily lives. Mm-hmm. And hmm. so I guess we find different ways to make community. One of the, um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is, um, and you kind of touched on it a little bit with your own experience, but 
like there's a lot of there's a lot of stress that people kind of load onto themselves and it kind of manifests in terms of addictions and through drugs or alcohol and it seems like there's a lot of a lot of numbing that takes place to the like the pains that people have suffered um i guess earlier in life and you know how how can a person get to a better place to escape the addictions but kind of heal like what is the process of actually healing look like i think that's a very individual journey um the the latest research in addictions is really about healing the traumas and understanding that traumas aren't always big things that other people might consider to be traumas you know um, a lot of people who are dealing with addiction are self-medicating for other things like bipolar disorder autism or you know some other sort of mental health issue or emotional health issue where they're just trying to medicate to not feel bad all the time you know, so it's really, it's about addressing the underlying causes as opposed to the substance. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think a lot of times people like don't know some, a lot of things in terms of traumas have been buried for so long. It, so it becomes a matter of trying to uncover things and I think normally people are surprised when they do figure out what the trauma was like there wasn't the body's very good at hiding things from you you know in oh, terms exactly. of and that's why you go through the process of you know the the addictions and so forth but so it becomes a matter of how do you how do you try to make that journey in terms of overcoming you know whatever happened in the past because you can't obviously go back in time right um well here are some things that i am finding helpful now uh starting out i started out with 12 step that was the only thing i knew of that was available was 12 uh -huh. step and i stuck with that for a long time um, until i started going to meetings and i probably shouldn't even say this because it's going to be broadcast but whatever that only takes you so far uh -huh. and then it loops you back around to the beginning again and if you can't move beyond that 12th step into a reasonable life for yourself, it kind of keeps you in a, in a loop. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I started looking for other healing modalities to help other people where the 12 steps weren't actually working very well for them. Um, so hypnosis is a great one because it, it can really take you back to some slivered places and put piece things back together again um, for a lot of people you know it's childhood trauma mm -hmm. and for some people the, the the addiction issue even goes into past life trauma mm -hmm. so you know that's where things like hypnosis or guided meditation with someone who knows what they're doing can be really helpful to heal those things and start moving beyond the fractured soul Mm -hmm. You know, and, and this goes like it's past life regression, it's, it's previous, like within this life regression, it's soul retrieval, it's a lot of different things that can really help people recover from the trauma that's really the underlying cause. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
and you know when we're talking about addiction good lord that's you can get addicted to anything that distracts you i know i know it's tough you know it's tough and it's like the society just feeds feeds into that to create more more and more opportunities for that right you know one of the um one of the uh differences that's made for some people that that i know that have been really key, I think, in terms of the healing process has been um, becoming an entrepreneur. Because yeah. one of the things that happens, I think, is with trauma is it, it kind of teaches um, that you can't, you can't do things. Like you can't do certain things and you become dependent. And, and in some ways, like there are, there are plenty of people who want to, to become dependent upon them. And so you get into this kind of mode and one of the most liberating things I think is just taking charge of your, your own financial life and becoming an entrepreneur. And that has all kinds of, you know, risks associated with it too, but there's also an empowerment to it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That is, is in a sense liberating that helps you overcome and, and be able to do more that is really self driven and it really helps you reach deeper into yourself. Right. And to be, to be a successful entrepreneur, you got to do the inner work. That's right. That's right. You got to listen harder to be able to make those correct judgments. Yeah. Right. And it, it forces you to grow through the traumas that you've had in the past in a, in a different way. It's, it's a different avenue of healing, but yeah, mm -hmm. I would agree. I've been an entrepreneur forever. I, and that's, I mean, I, I think that's a testament and, and that's what made me think about it. But I, I know other people who have gone through the same situation and it definitely helped a great deal. So, yeah. but it it's not something, helps. it's not something that's normally talked about though. No, you know? not at all. Yeah. Most people are not going to say, oh, you need to quit drinking, start a business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think but you have to get some sort of um, self-understanding and self-knowledge under your belt, even a little bit before you jump into starting a business. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, how would, if people want to learn more about the work that you do, like how could they reach out to you? What you, uh, you have a website, a new website? Yes. My website is christinabloom.com and Christina spelled with a K. Okay. And Bloom is B-L-O-O-M. So it's ChristinaBloom.com. Um, you can also find me on Facebook, Christina L. Bloom Spiritual Advisor. And um, I think those are probably the two best ways to get a hold of me. You can email me. My email is Christina at ChristinaBloom.com. So that's real easy. Um, and then just on Facebook, you can get a hold of me that way too. Yeah, that sounds good. That's how we, uh, we connected. So yeah. I, uh, I appreciate your taking the time to uh, chat today and uh, share your experience. And, you know, we'll have to do this again. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. Awesome.